And turn with me to Luke chapter 18. All right. We're going to read uh, 15 through 34. There we go. People were bringing infants to him so that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Oh, I have kept all these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, oh, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, then who can be saved? He replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Then Peter said, look, we have left uh, what we have had. I'm sorry. Look, we have left what we had and followed you. So he said to them, well, truly I tell you, There is no one who has left a house or wife or brothers or sisters, parents or children because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many more times at this, many more times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Then he took the 12 aside and told them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem. Everything that is written through the prophets about the son of man will be accomplished for he will be handed over to the Gentiles And he will be mocked, insulted, spit upon. And after they flog him, they will kill him. And he will rise on the third day. They understood none of these things. The meaning of the saying was hidden from them. And they did not grasp what was said. Lord, there seems to be so much in here. And Lord, I I pray that you would help us to simplify it down to to what you want us to leave here today with. Lord, show us the meat. Show us the good, the goodness. Show us the inspiration, Lord. Show us the way in which you desire us to walk. Show us, Lord God, your heart and your character that we walk in, the mind of Christ that you have given us, Lord. Reveal these things to us and help transform our thinking. Help renew us, Lord, by the transformation of our minds, by the renewal of our minds here this morning. Lord, bless us this morning with your presence and with your spirit to help us help bring understanding to this passage here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So there are, I was struck by a couple of juxtapositions this last week. Um, so last weekend, last Friday, 
uh, we had an amazing worship night over at uh, the River Church with our brothers and sisters over there and with churches all over the valley that came together to worship together. And it was so good. It was such a huge, incredible blessing. Um, I mean, people's lives were changed. I mean, there was, there was a time where God just, you know, had led our bass player, Philip, to just say, hey, I feel that there is someone here right now that's anxious or depressed. You've been struggling this week uh, with the lies of the enemy, trying to say that you, you know, you're this and you're that. And a lady walked forward just in tears. And it was someone's mom that we knew from the, from the, band, from the group. Um, and so she just came down in, in tears, just wept and, and, and knelt down. And everyone just came around her and surrounded her with prayers and laid hands on her. And she, just, and she got up and, and was smiling. And we were worshiping and she was dancing and worshiping in a new way than before. Lives were changed. People's hearts were transformed. And then after the, after the worship night was over, there was a, a concert that my friend of, a friend of mine was putting on, a couple of friends of mine were putting on over at the filling station in Bozeman. And like they were like in a cool like 80s hair metal band, you know, hair band, you know, cover band. Um, and they were playing, you know, Journey, you know, like, don't stop believing, yeah, woo, you know. And it was so much fun. Like, so we went to the, we went to the bar and, you know, got a beer, just hang out and just like, you know, cheering on our friends, right? And just singing 80 songs and the whole club is just packed full of people. But it was hollow. It felt different. There was a spirit of lust. There was a spirit of alcoholism. People were, as, as a, the friend of mine who went with me, who he struggled with, with uh, worship of alcohol of getting drunk. He was struggled with drunkenness, going to the bars and stuff. And he said they were getting slain in the spirit of alcohol. Yeah. Not getting slain in the Holy Spirit. Right. And that's why it felt so hollow. Yeah. It promises everything and takes everything. Mm-hmm. And there was this, this feeling of like we were, you know, were kind of worshiping the band versus at the worship night we just came from, the band was worshiping God and leading people to worship God. Right. People's lives were transformed. These people's lives were left worse. Right. Or, or, just, if, or if nothing else, just the same. Yeah. They, came, they, they still left with the same problems. In fact, they might have created more problems after they left. Getting pulled over for a DUI. Getting in a car accident. Hurting or killing someone. Going home and sleeping with someone who wasn't their spouse. Or getting someone right. All these different problems that, you, that are created in that culture. And I felt it being there. And so it's a weird juxtaposition between the two. From the worship night where people's lives were transformed and everyone left more joyful to the, that was a fun time. People got drunk. And it was just hollow. That's the great, the only word that I could use to describe it. It was fun. I enjoyed just cheering my friends on. I was there to support my friends. And they did a great job. They're amazing musicians. And it was fun. Being there with other Christian friends, we had just come and gotten filled up and we're just enjoying, you know, supporting our friends and enjoying our, our friends' musicians. It wasn't, that wasn't bad or evil, no. but it was just a weird juxtaposition between the two, right. the two environments of music, yeah. right? Yeah. It reminded me of, of another time in, in California where we, another ju- time of juxtaposition where we went down to Mexico and this was one of the churches that my, my dad, so my dad used to work for a company, did some volunteer work for a company, uh, a ministry called uh, YTI. YTI? You, IYI, International Youth Initiative, that's what it was. So taking youth groups down to churches in Mexico to work with them. 
And so we, we, this was the church building that they were, that one, of the, one of the churches that they were going to work with. And then from, there, from here, we went to the slums. But the majority of Mexico in this area, in Tijuana, looked like this. I mean, little, I don't know if you can see it. The, kind of back here, I don't know if it's, you can kind of see it, but there's a Walmart sign that, you know, that's used for a wall. There's garage doors that are used for walls, tarps, you know, metal, metal siding. Like, that's, like, that's some good siding. We can use that on our chicken coop. You know? <laughs> but you know, they're using all these things for their houses. And what you don't see over here is there's a whole, whole section like this that's just leveled and burned. Because they, what they do to get electricity is they'll take spoons onto an electric wire and throw it up and, and dangle it onto the power lines that are going right, ob- right over top to give them power in their, in their homes, in the neighborhood. With no transistors, hence why it burned down. Right? But this is the way that people were living there. And literally, this was the morning. We went and had tacos for lunch. And then we went to Big Bear. To what I call the castle for a youth worker training at a guy in the church's house who lived in Big Bear. This was like a, I think, at least a six-bedroom. I think it had more bathrooms than it had bedrooms. It had like 10 bathrooms or something crazy like that. It had a guest house in the back, around the back, that was bigger than my house that we're living in now. You know, that was the guest room <laughs> with his own garage. There were two garages to this. There's one on the other side too. And there's a, actually, there's a, a, a walkway, you walk down, and there's a weights room on one side, a sun on the other, and then you have this, this is the jacuzzi room, the spa, the hot tub, in a room, and the windows actually, you know, open automatically to release pressure and, and, and moisture and temperature to keep the perfect point, you know, temperature in there. So we go from this weird dichotomy, this juxtaposition of going from this, of course, I guess you could say this would, this would be like a 25-room mansion, <laughs> to this in the same day it was a it was like i got whiplash i was like whoa, whoa at the same time and so it's just like this interesting juxtaposition that we that we live in from one to the next from this reality to this reality now it's interesting i always used to say you know, after coming back from mission trips, actually, I'm pretty sure I probably even said it this day, you know, coming back to America makes me feel, you know, so grateful for what I have. I'm like, wow, yeah, so grateful for all that I've got. But then, I, you know, today, now I'm thinking, the more and more I realize what actually brings and cultivates happiness, maybe I'm thinking, maybe those folks in Mexico actually had something going. They don't need the possessions in order to be happy. They don't need the, the, the fancy, fancy car in the driveway to be joyful. It's interesting. So our, the title of our sermon today is Faith Like a Child, Loyalty of a Warrior. And th- th- I was reminded of, of just thinking about, okay, what does it mean to be happy? Think about you know, fulfillment, of, fulfillment in life. We want to feel fulfilled. We want to feel like life is meaningful and purposeful. And people took a gauge of, and asked different places all over the world, this, the, all these different countries, like you know, dozens and dozens of countries, what, is it, what, is it, what, what causes happiness and what countries are the most happy? And this is the data from the Ecological Footprint and Wellbeing Survey, aka a happy, happiness 
survey. Now, this is factoring in GDP, you know, gross domestic product per capita. This is basically how wealthy people are. The number one happiest country in the world is Finland. Finland. Then Denmark. Then Switzerland. Then Iceland. Norway. Netherlands. Sweden. All the way across the globe to New Zealand. And then all the way back to Austria. Luxembourg. You know that U.S. was 23rd on the list. Hmm. But it's interesting. You take out, you know, because they, they compared that like GDP to happiness. So how much you were worth and how much money you had was factored in. Now, they completely took all of that away. What is your gauge? They have this whole like thing of, of happiness scale and stuff like that, comparing all of the countries. And they took how much you're worth by wealth and money out of the equation. They just said, how happy are you? Here, here's the actual results. The number one country that is the happiest in the world is this, Costa Rica. Number two, Mexico. Number three, Colombia. Vanuatu, I haven't even heard of that one. Vietnam, Panama, Nicaragua, Bangladesh, Thailand, Ecuador. The U.S. scored in at a whopping 18th on this list. And so there were some, some observations to look at here because looking at the different cultures, like what is important in each culture and why were they so happy? What caused happiness? And here's the, the, some observations. Happiness occurs where there is a healthy emphasis on relationships and communi- community, specifically healthy family relationships. Because what is the number one religion in most of these world, in the, most of these countries? Christianity, which is, well, and Catholicism, specifically. And Protestantism is a close second. But all these cultures have a heavy emphasis on family. You think about, you know, one of the, the, the most prominent holidays in Mexico. What is it? You know, Dia, Dia de los Muertos, where they remember family. The core of Dia de los Muertos is the remembrance of family members who have passed away, telling their stories, getting all the families together and having a meal together and sharing it with your dead family, right? It was pagan, it's false, but yeah, but it's that, that thought of they're here with us. It's the communion of family, mi familia, right? Mi familia. Happiness in, all, in both of these areas is not based on money and possessions, Credit creates more stress, not more happiness and fulfillment. Living off of the land, people, you know, cultures that live off the land have healthy family, family relationships, shared traditions, have, you know, these cultures of sharing and community where income is not the defining factor of how much you have and how much you are worth. These cultures cultivate happiness and fulfillment. These are the cultures that create this fulfillment. So God's kingdom is a better reality. Because why? Because God's kingdom is all about this. It's all about community. It's all about relationships. It's all about having this, this heavy emphasis on the family of God. That's why they call ourselves brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters in the family of God, the household of faith, the 
kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, right? This is, this is what, what Jesus, this is the culture that Jesus is setting. This is the, the culture that Jesus is cultivating, right? Jesus is creating this. And so think about this. So Jesus, you know, his crucifixion is only weeks, if not days away in our, in our context here. And so it begs the question, what is the kingdom? The kingdom, remember, is the church. And so Jesus has, he's been spending these last few years building and cultivating a culture, building this culture of family, this culture of togetherness, this culture of relying on one another, creating fulfillment within the church, the household of faith. Um, The church is the dwelling presence of the living God on earth. And so he's been, he's trying to wrap this, his teaching up in this. He's got a few more weeks, if not days, left of teaching. So he's like, he's like throwing it all in. He's like, let's bring this to all, let's bring this to a close, you guys. Let's bring this to a head. Let's bring this to its final conclusion. And so the emphasis this morning is that we enter God's kingdom through faith like a child. And we live God's kingdom with the loyalty of a warrior. Entering into the kingdom like a little child. Because like Jesus said, the kingdom, the church, the family of God belongs to such as these. As it says, let the children come. Don't stop them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. There's something about the helplessness and complete and utter trust that children possess, right? They're so gullible and it's awesome. Gullible in the sense that they are so trusting of you in your life. They're so trusting of the truths and the traditions that you bestow upon them because they trust you they, and trust their entire lives. They have to. They have to entire, entrust their entire lives. I mean, Libby couldn't go off and just be by herself and provide for herself. <laughs> or could you? <laughs> you know, she needs parents to provide. She needs parents to buy food, to restock the refrigerator. She needs parents to pay the mortgage on the house to pay the property taxes so they don't get evicted, to, make the, to create the culture of the household, to lead the household, right? Children have complete trust. This is attuned to, so like last week, the, the helplessness of the tax collector. His realization of how helpless and entri- entirely compl- you know, trusting he needed to be of God, how trusting he wasn't being and how trusting he needed to be of God. This is representative of that mercy and the grace that that tax collector was, was receiving. This realization that he had to have complete and total dependency on the Lord. Now, this isn't a call to be childish. As, as Paul would say, brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking, but be infants, childlike, in regard to evil. An adult or mature in your thinking. It's interesting to note, look at God's relationship with humanity. 
Naivete is actually a Christian value. I, I, I know nowhere in Scripture where it says that knowledge of evil is a virtue of God. It says be innocent of evil, innocent as doves. Be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. Be childlike, not childish. The only way to approach God is completely dependent and trustworthy. That's the, the point of what he's getting to. That's why, we, that's why I think Luke put them together. Like this faith like a child and this lack of faith like a child. This, this man who's not being childlike, he's being adult-like, being all mature and stuff, staying in his wealth, staying in his knowledge, staying in his greed, staying in the culture in which he is living. He's not being dependent and trusting of the Lord. The rich and religious will not enter the kingdom of God because of, as it says in First in John, the lusts of the eyes, the lusts of the flesh, and the pride of life. This is why the Pharisees and religious will not enter because of the pride of knowledge and the arrogance of works. This is why it's so difficult for them to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, have faith like this. Have faith like a child. Faith like them and don't stop. Don't hinder them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them. Don't hinder them. Don't put a, 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 a stumbling block. Don't put a barricade between them being able to worship, between them and being able to come and to learn the ways of God, to be able to participate in the full kingdom of God. Are there ways that we do this today? We can. I think we have got to stop treating our children just in our mindset. Not that we do anything necessarily that, that hinders them. And like right now, they're downstairs learning the Bible. They're learning about Jesus. And I love what they're doing. I don't know if you know about done this, but parents, the, you know, the, the, the people are down there, downstairs, have these VBS um, bins. And so, the, you know, there's like five days of material and each day there's four different stations. And so each week of the month, they're taking a different station and they're reiterating the same scripture passage for four weeks. And then they move on to the next day. It's awesome. It's really cool. Uh, anyway, but in our mindset, we have to stop treating children as second-rate citizens in the kingdom of God. They are not the church of tomorrow. Let's take that out of our vocabulary. The children are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. They need to fully participate in the ministries of the church today. They need to be fully recognized as members of the church of God, fully active participants in the presence of God. Now we need to train them and, and to direct them, right? We can't just let them go, go nuts. We have to rein them in, train the, a child in, in the ways that he should go, and, they will, and when they're older, they will never depart from them. But we have to first do the hard work. It's not easy. <laughs> the hard work of training them, of guiding them. That's why I love that the root word of, of discipline, discipline, is disciple. We disciple our children in the ways that they should go so that when they're older, they will not forsake them. They will not forget them. Involve the children as much as possible. Train them, show them, invite them, involve them, encourage them, challenge them. 
They're part of our measurables as, as a church, right? Imitate. Give our children something to imitate so that they can initiate the ways of God on their own and then they can instigate that into the lives of others. Teach their younger kids or other kids in the, in the, in the kids' ministry. I love going, you know, the, like, this, like last weekend, getting, getting to, to do the video for our Easter kids' video, right? For, for Easter, we're going to pr- premiere a, a kids' video. It's, gonna be, it's really fun. And watching the kids talk and discuss their faith with one another. And, you know, people being able to, you know, our kids will surprise us. Like, they're like, that's this and that, that's and that. And this is why we do this. I'm like, you guys are listening. This is amazing. You know, it's so cool. So they can take it. Why? Why does Jesus want us to do all these things with our kids? Why? Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to the Gracianas, to the Zacharies, to the Titis, to the Libbies, to the Joeys, to the Natalies, to the Jacksons and the Hazels, to the Tessas. It belongs to such as these. It's interesting. There's statistics on, on this. 75% of kids left the church from 18 to 29 why? Well, this is, this is 75% left. Well, this is why the 25% stayed. They connected with Christ. It's like, when I first saw this picture, I was like, they, because they fed them pizza at youth group. <laughs> this is why they stayed. Because number one, they ate dinner five of seven nights a week as a family. They served with their families in a ministry. They had one spiritual experience in the home during the week had at least one faith-focused adult in their lives other than their parents. And number four, they entrusted, were entrusted with responsibility in ministry at an early age. When children are fully involved in the church, they're more likely to continue their faith because they're not looked at as the church of tomorrow. No. They're looked at the church of today. Yeah. What is another lesson that we can learn from this from this. Idolatry is, is identity grounded in dependency. Let's look at this guy. Who's, who's struggling with some idolatry here? The rich ruler, right? Now it says, I was like, why do they call him young? They didn't say the word young in here. And so one translation, I think it's, of, I think it's in Mark or something, it says the you know, the young man said, you know, the, the rich ruler, and then the young man said, like kind of later down, I was like, oh, okay. So I looked in that word, and young man is somewhere between 24 and 40. So he's about my age. So I'm a rich young, I'm a, I'm a young pastor. I am still. <laughs> really, if you think about the, the average age of a pastor, I'm pretty, still pretty young. But ruler, let's look at that word, ruler. This is a word for magistrate or a governor or a chief. Right? I know I know a chief in the Cro- in Crow Nation who's uh, I think chief he's the the mayor of Lodgegrass and he's like in his early 30s, right? And uh, so this man so to articulate what the, this would have looked like so this man was very rich because he had a very high govern, governing position he was rich but he also had great abundance not just money but also possessions house right? Money, yes, my house, uh, but other things too. Um, being rich in 
food. He had the choice food, the choice drink, right? The, the whole phrase, you get what you pay for, right? Uh, he shopped at Whole Foods uh, <laughs> instead of Albertsons, you know, or I guess what they call the whole, uh, they call whole paycheck. <laughs> this we'll find out when it opens, right? <clears throat> but friends, he, had, he was rich in friends. Why? Because he had, probably had the choice food and the, and the money and he was able to afford to have friends, right? Uh, authority. He, had, he was rich in comforts. He had established a culture of nice around him. He had the nice camel, the nice house, the... <laughs> all these, he had, he had the nice things. He created a culture of lavishing and abundance around him. That's what, I want to make sure that we understand. It's a culture. Like, what is the culture of our lives? What is the culture of their lives? The culture of someone who's rich versus the culture of someone who's poor looks very different. Someone who lives paycheck to paycheck is different than someone who lives in abundance. Why? Jesus, why was Jesus saying all these things? Give up these things. Abandon these things. Give all these things to the poor. And come and follow me. Why? You will have treasure in heaven. And then here's a response to this. When the guy left, he became sad. He said, how hard it is for those with earthly possessions to enter into the kingdom of God. Look at that. You will have treasure versus earthly possessions. You will have treasure, true treasure. Right? The store your treasure where mouth doesn't come in and, and decay and where you know the, the thief doesn't can't come in and steal and destroy it, right? And you'll enter into God's kingdom, the kingdom treasure in what? Heaven, the kingdom of God. These parallels here. What is Jesus trying to say? To have or to gain true treasure. I'm all you need. I'm all you need. You can, you can, that's why you can give up everything. You can give up the money. You can give up the house. You can give up the choice food and drink. You can give up the friends, the authority, the comforts, and the culture. Because I'm all you need. Am I good enough? Now, here's the mistake that oftentimes we, I think we make is that we assume that Jesus is calling every single one of us to do this. He's not calling every single one of us to do this. He's not. This is a call to this young man. And there are principles we can take from it, but selling everything and selling your house and living on the streets is not one of them. Right. <laughs> um, we have to remember, we have to rightly handle the word of truth and not just literally take every, every single little thing and try to apply it directly to our lives. But the principles we need to, to grasp. We need to let go of the sin around us in the world's culture and to embrace the better reality of God by living in and being a part of God's kingdom. What are the things that are getting in a way? What is the idolatry that is our identity independence that is grounded in dependency we are dependent on this and we can't imagine our lives without this and is this taking our worship away from god is this accentuating our worship of god or is it taking away from our worship of god where is our identity 
grounded? Is our identity grounded in Christ? And out of that, we do things that bring and cultivate life. We do our jobs out of our identity being grounded in Christ. That's, I think, the principle that we can take from this. We can do our work. We can do our garden. We can do our having our chickens. We can do, you know, you can be a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a grandma, a great-grandma, you know. You can be who, you know, you can do the things that you do, but where is your identity grounded? This man's identity was grounded in his riches, in his, in the worldly culture. Living the way God says to live, doing the things that Jesus did, loving others as he and our brothers and sisters have shown down through the last 2,000 years. This is the culture in which we are a part of in the kingdom of God. The culture that Jesus established 2,000 years ago. Now this, this reminds me of going all the way back to Luke chapter 6, the, the Beatitudes and the Woditudes, as I called them. Right? He has all these Beatitudes, the blessings. This is what brings blessing. This is what brings happiness and fulfillment and joy. And these are the things that don't. These are the things that steal your joy. These are the things that steal the blessing from you. And what does he say? Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for this is the way their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. Now go back and listen to this sermon, because again, face value, he's talking about a culture. He's creating a culture. The Beatitudes are basically the the mandate, the value system, like we have our five values. He's creating the value system of the kingdom of God. And so he's saying all these things is don't throw your life into creating a culture of, of being rich and comfortable and laughing and, and celebrating and making sure that you're people pleasers so that you know, every, you know, it's everyone, you're popular and you've got all the, the right people thinking the right things about you, right? He's saying, I am enough. This is the way the culture of the kingdom of God and the Beatitudes. And these are the things that are going to keep you from those things. Now, I wanted to bring you into a little bit of, a, I couldn't really do this in a slide, so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a screenshot of my, of my notes. So here's a screenshot of my notes, if you can read it. <laughs> um, so this is, this is the way that I've studied, been, you know, tried to study this verse. You know, this is, there is truly no one who how about, has left, has abandoned or forsaken or chosen as lesser the you know, house, wife, brothers, sisters, all these things. He's basically saying everything. Abandoned or left or forsaken everything. Why? Because of the kingdom of God. That's the per- like that purpose right there. You leave all these things, you abandon the things that are on the wrong throne, and you forsake them so that you can, you know, for the kingdom of God. You left all these things, who will not, what, receive many times more at this time. Now, in your life, Kind of like Job. Everything was taken and everything was given back to, you know, twofold. This is what he's talking about. Twofold at this time, what? And eternal life in the age to come. So it's, that, it's both and. So it's the, you've left everything, you've, you've forsaken everything, you will, you will be given more. 
Like, like I use the illustration of, of, you know, do, of giving an offering, of giving a tithe of, of your income, right? You, you give, you sacrifice, and you, you, you entrust it to the Lord. You say, this is yours. I'm, you know, whatever you want to do with this, this is yours to do, God. I'm entrusting this to your servants, right? And so this, it's that you give that away. And just as a testimony, as you know, for, for us personally, that I gave was about almost you know, a year and a half ago, uh, or, or so, is that when we started to, to tithe faithfully, we saw the Lord just bless. We did a budget. We decided to, we were first, first, very first line item on our budget, the tithe, the offering. And then going toward this, these things and, like, and paying off debt, getting out of debt. Debt is dumb. Get, get out of debt. Get out of debt. Debt is dumb. Dave Ramsey kind of, you know, pounded that into me. But... <laughs> And, you know, because so, his, his concept was live like no one else now so that you can live and give like no one else. You can, be, you can live and be generous when you actually have money that's not going to debt, being a slave to debt, worldly culture of debt and credit. So it was called the credit, or, you know, credit score, our, our slave score. How good of a slave are you, right? Not how, how good of a... How good, how, how good of a, uh, re- how responsible financially are you? Our credit score is literally how good of a slave are you? When you entrust things to the Lord and you give them over to him, he will respond. He will bless. He will flourish. And as a resounding testimony to the Lord, we paid off over $105,000 worth of debt in just over two and a half years. It attracted family who wanted to come alongside of us and partner with us. The Lord blessed through other ways, through Uber rides that we shouldn't have gotten. We're like, wow, thank you, God, for this $800 day. This is amazing. God will bless when you take that first step of obedience and say yes. When you give up and you entrust all these things to the Lord, He will bless you. He will walk with you. Now, the Jewish belief that there are two ages, this present age and the age to come, the, you know, this new age, and I'm not, not talking about like crystals and, you know, um, uh, you know and this, all that new agey stuff, like the new age is, is this like the age to come. So this is everything in their belief would be new and fresh and free from corruption, decay, evil, bitterness, pain, fear, and death. The, this new age had new possibilities new opportunities for joy, new opportunities for growth, new delights, new joys. This time when heaven and earth would be joined together and God would be with his people and children, God and his children will live together. The rich young ruler did not possess that humble trust that allowed God to be God. The church is called to be a glimpse of this new world, this new age. That is, you know, it's a glimpse of what God's new world is like, what it's going to be like to, to learn. It, and we need to learn and live to learn God's way, God's better reality more and more today. Bringing that, that fresh, bringing that new, bringing that, that, that time, you know, free from corruption, this place, this environment, free from corruption and decay, evil, bitterness, pain, fear, and death. The church need, is supposed to be this place of new opportunities, 
new joys, new delights. And this man was unwilling to do that. Why? Because his identity was grounded in dependency. And so what does it look like to live with the loyalty of a warrior? So childlike faith, faith like a child, and loyalty of a warrior. Faithfulness, loyalty, devotion, commitment. Those who follow Jesus, who are loyal and faithful to him, will see and be a part of incredible things. I've mentioned this a couple of times, but, but think about this. What is this rich ruler missing out on? He's missing out on all the things that are going to lead up to Jerusalem. He's going to miss out on the very next part we're going to look in here. We're going to see the blind man receiving sight, blind Bartimaeus. We're going to see Zacchaeus' life transformation, a chief tax collector. We're going to see Lazarus. Well, we won't read it, but Lazarus raising from the dead. We're going to see and hear amazing things. Passover, his teaching in the temple. His, his final words, his final exclamation point about the, the end of the kingdom of Israel and the temple in Jerusalem. And then being able to participate in Passover with Jesus at the table with him. Be able to have our feet washed by him. This rich young ruler was missing out on that. And then everything in Jerusalem. This is not where it gets so, so nice with the Betrayal and arrest and torture and crucifixion of Jesus, the burial of Jesus. But they'll get to participate in the resurrection of Jesus. Get to participate in seeing him, touching him, being breathed on by him and receiving his Holy Spirit. Being able to be there on on the Mount of Olives as he's ascending and giving them the great commission. Being able to be there at Pentecost with the rest of the church that left everything and came and followed Jesus, and being able to experience the, the tongues of fire, being enraptured with the fire of God, and speaking, and, and the Holy Spirit breaking out, being poured out on all flesh, seeing 3,000, oh, sorry, 5,000 people come to faith in Jesus in one day, and being a part of the expansion, explosion of the kingdom of God, on a mission with Jesus. This guy is missing out on it. All of that. Siri. (laughs) I think this was the main reason why Jesus was sad. This is why Jesus was like, you missed it. All these things. I could have sent you to India and watched as your life and their lives were transformed. I'll just send someone else. We'll send William Carey. He was sad for all the glory and the joy that this man, this man was going to miss out on. And so which wraps up our, our time this morning with the question that Jesus asked his disciples. Are you all in? Are you all? Not, all, not, not are all of you in, but are you all in? Are you all in? Jesus what? Took the 12 disciples aside. He took the 12 aside. Jesus changed the setting. So this is only the 12 now. Not even the rest of the current disciples following Jesus who had 
left everything and came and followed Jesus. Not even all of them had access to Jesus. Because remember, there was about 120 following Jesus at this point, at this time. About 100 people or more. This is the third time that Jesus is coming to the disciples and saying, guys, here's the trajectory. Here's the end point. Here's the the result, but it's not going to be the end, guys. Remember, because he didn't just say he's going to die. He said, they will kill him and he will rise on the third day. So he gave them a heads up. He's like, guys, don't freak out. It's going to look real bad. And all you're going to leave me, I know that, that's fine. That's amazing to me. Think about that. This is grace. There's grace in this. Because think about this. All of the disciples that were here, that he was speaking to, plus the 12, all of them are going to tuck tail and run. Peace them out. Peter would deny Jesus three times. No one would be there at his trials. Only John and his mother would come to the cross. And other people would watch at a distance. The women disciples, of all people, in their culture. Should have been the men in their culture, right? But no one would be there. In every way, all of his disciples seemingly failed the test. But they didn't. At least, Jesus did not consider them failures. All of us could look at that and be like, oh, those terrible disciples, those faithless idiots wrong with them jesus was probably had some choice words for them no he welcomed them in he asked peter as a way of reconciliation do you love me to give peter the opportunity to say yeah i do oh do you love me yeah i do uh uh, do you love me yeah i do i'm all in jesus all 120 of them got to see him, touch him, be breathed on by him. Over 500 people got to see him after his resurrection and they were all filled with his Holy Spirit. This is what it is. This is what the kingdom of God is, is being the dwelling presence of the living God on this earth because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And we enter God's kingdom through faith like a child. And we live God's kingdom with the loyalty of a warrior. So this is the question. How do we engage in this? How do we respond to this? So as we respond to this this morning, as I, as I close this in prayer, we ask ourselves this question, Lord, what does it mean for me to live in this loyalty to you? This faith. What, is it, what does my faith look like? Where, where is my identity being you know, grounded in something that I'm dependent on over here instead of being grounded in you? Lord, where am I dependent on anything else besides you? Show me, Lord, so that I can give it away. So I can unground it and throw it into the, into the heap, into the trash heap. So that I can just be all you need me to be. So that I can do all the things that you want me to do. To come and follow you. 
Jesus, I pray right now, God, during this time, God, I just, I pray your revelation to each one of us, Lord. I pray your goodness and your glory would be poured out on, on us. Lord, give us a revelation of yourself, a revelation of your desire for our lives. And God, even now, Lord, I, just, I pray for my sister, Sissy. God, as she's physically struggling, physically hurting, God, I just pray your healing over her, God. I pray your presence on her. I pray your heart would be poured out on her, Lord Jesus, of comfort and healing, Lord. Comfort her with her family as well, Lord. Speak words of encouragement and power and strength to her, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We pray during this time that you would bless us and, 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 and Lord, just draw near to us as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.